Hey y'all, Pink Lady here. Welcome to another episode of Podcasting is the New Kink, part five, where I am reviewing Kindred, the series on FX and Hulu. So I am Jasmine Gary, aka Pink Lady. I use she, her pronouns, and I am your host. And I'm so excited for you to be here with me. So today we're going to be talking about some of the themes in Kindred, how they played out in the series, what they mean to me. And we're not going to be talking about the obvious themes, right? This is a time of slavery in America. So clearly some of the themes are like race and segregation and wealth, right? So we're not going to talk about those because those are, again, obvious. (laughs) But we're going to talk about some of the deeper ones, the maybe less noticeable ones, right? And how they played out in this story. So let's do it. So the first theme I'm going to talk about today is fate. This idea that you have a destiny that is already kind of planned out for you and just waiting for you and you just have to like step into it or walk into it, follow the path to it, right? So the definition of fate that I have is the development of events beyond a person's control regarded as determined by a supernatural power or be destined to happen, turn out, or act in a particular way. So clearly, right, it's like destiny. These things are meant to happen to you. They were meant for you. It was written even before you were born, right? I know growing up in a Christian household, Fate is something that is absolutely believed in. Christians believe that God has laid out a plan for you and that God has a purpose for you that you're supposed to live in. You are supposed to do things according to his will for you, right? So that is something that I'm absolutely familiar with, but it's not really something that I believe in so much now. Um... I believe in purpose, absolutely, but I don't believe that you have a destiny or like you were meant to do this one thing, right, or that your path is laid out for you. I believe that when you walk in your purpose, there are always, you know, a multitude of choices, right, but when you're walking in purpose, you're just picking and choosing the things that are right for you in the moment. So I guess I do kind of believe in fate, but not as dramatic, (laughs) I guess, as Christians believe or as it shows up in the show. So how fate shows up in Kindred, right? Dana exists on her own, right? Like this is her story. This is her time. So she exists as a person in her time, 2016, 2017, wherever we are in the story. But when she is pulled back to the time of her ancestors, Rufus and Alice, she feels like it is her fate. She has to step in and do these things in order for the rest of history to play out, right? So it's kind of like messing with your brain, right? Because it's like, I already exist in my time, but in the time in the past, in the time of slavery in America, where she's pulled back to, 
She doesn't exist then, right? So it's like, is it her fate to become this person, to be pulled back in the past, to make sure that these people stay together? It's like so trippy. And I actually really love that. That's one of the things I really enjoy about the show. But it's like questioning that fate, right? Like, is this my destiny to do this? Do I have to do this? Will things change if I don't do this? Will I even exist if I don't? do these things that I need to do. It's like, what the fuck, right? (laughs) Another point I want to make is about Alice, right? Because in the book, we unfortunately, you know, see her story played out where she has to have children by Rufus. And in the book, she ends up killing herself because she couldn't live with it. We haven't seen what happens in the series yet because, again, they stopped halfway through and we don't know the ending. But it will be picked up for season two. I'm manifesting it. It will be picked up for season two and we will see an ending. (laughs) But yeah, Alice has to be raped by Rufus in order for Dana to be born. So that's another, like, what the fuck? Like, how do I like allow that to happen first right but also Dana's kind of like pushing for that to happen so it's oh it's so trippy it's so trippy because it's like hell no there's no way in hell that I would encourage a man to rape a woman encourage anyone to rape anyone we will never encourage anyone to do anything to anybody else that they do not want to happen to them right but what the fuck If this doesn't happen, then I won't exist. That fate shit, I'm telling you, is crazy. It is, like, wild. And the way it plays out in Kindred is just so trippy. But, yeah, that's fate. (laughs) So the next thing I want to talk about is this idea of blood family versus chosen family. Now, in the queer community, chosen family is a term that I'm very familiar with. It is something that we hear all the time. The people that you choose to be in your life, right? The people that you choose to walk your path with, not the people that are necessarily blood-related to you, right? Like your mom, your dad, your brothers, sisters, cousins, not those people. Those can be your chosen family as well. But it's more so like the people that you meet along the way who helped you with your journey, who pushed you, who encouraged you, who, you know, helped you keep going. That is your chosen family. So in Kindred, the series, it's funny because Dana has really very little family alive. She has an aunt and uncle that we know about, right? And that's it. So... In the story, we see that she kind of chooses Kevin over her aunt and uncle. And I say that chooses with quotes, chooses Kevin, right? Because everything pretty much happens in a night. (laughs) It's like a day or two, right? And she has very little choice in choosing Kevin over her aunt and uncle. Kevin was there when you know, the incident happened. He saw it. He went back with her. So he has so much knowledge. So I wouldn't say she necessarily chose him, but for the purposes of this review, 
Kevin is her chosen family. And I also think it's funny with what I was talking about before about chosen family in the queer community. It's like the way Dana's aunt and uncle, though they were trying to help and they thought they were being helpful, especially that aunt, was doing it in the worst way. The aunt thought she needed to be committed, so that was her way of helping, right? The uncle, he just kind of calmed down the situation and was trying to figure out what the hell is going on, but the way he is, he comes off really aggressive, so that wasn't the best way to handle it either. So it is like Dana is shying away from her blood family and choosing Kevin as her chosen chosen family, right? But the circumstances that create that, I think, is is great storytelling. And if we go back, right, to before the incident, to when he was just a waiter from two nights ago, right, before anything actually happened, she still kind of chooses Kevin over her aunt and uncle. She asks him to take her shopping, to buy a bed, to get some things for her home, right? She doesn't ask ask auntie or uncle for that she chooses kevin and kevin chooses her right we're talking about the same type of things here right so in the novel kevin and dana are both orphans they both lost their parents right in the series i don't assume that kevin is an orphan and i don't remember him saying he was an orphan or any of that coming up. But if I'm wrong, please like email me, DM me, whatever. Let me know. I would love to start conversation. But yeah, I don't remember anything about him being necessarily an orphan, but we do know that he has an older sister. We see the older sister and we kind of see him choose Dana over the older sister. And at this point, I would definitely say Kevin chose Dana over his older sister because at this point, The shit had already hit the fan, right? The incident happened. We know that some shit is going down. Kevin goes to his sister's home or his home, right, to get some stuff, get supplies, whatever, whatever. And then he goes back with Dana. That was a great example of, like, exactly what I'm talking about, blood versus chosen family. It's about, you know, choosing your family. It's about not being constrained to the people who raised you and the people who birthed you, right? Because just because they birthed you and they raised you doesn't mean that they were great influences on your life, right? That doesn't mean that they encouraged you and pushed you and helped you do better, right? It just means that they had a part in helping you become who you are now, pretty much. Hey y'all, Pink Lady here. I'm a podcast producer, director, coach, and host. And I want to tell you all about my production company, Pink Lady Productions. We collaborate with creatives like you who are driven to share your message by launching your podcast from A to Z and coaching you through the process. To learn more about our services, check out our website at pinkladyprod.com. That's P I N K. L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D dot com. So the next theme I'm going to talk about is, I call it creation versus reality. 
um, is really about like the world that you create for yourself versus society, right? And the world at large and the laws that actually govern the world, right? <laughs> so the first time Dana goes back, we see her question her reality, right? So she's in Rufus's room, she saves him, and then she sees a fig these figures, these women, and she's like, what the hell? Like, I must be dreaming, right? Like, this is not reality. And I say that with quotes. <laughs> and we see at that time, I don't know if we actually hear her questioning reality any of the other times, but if that was something that was happening to me, I would definitely question my sanity. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Am I going crazy? Like, maybe maybe that's actually what's happening. Like, I'm just having some episodes, right? And I'm not lucid right now. I don't know. That's just me thinking. But also, in episode six, I think it was very smart of the you know, the writers, the creators, the producers, everybody to put this in the scene where... Dana and Kevin are like, you know, they're boo-loving and kind of in the bed, pillow talking or whatever. And they're really like compartmentalizing their situation. Um, one of them say something about like it's starting to feel normal. And they talk about it feeling like, you know, a holiday if it wasn't for all the bad shit that was going on. And... You know, that that's just it right there. You know, creation versus reality. Your world is exactly what you make it to be. No matter what is going on in the greater world, in the outside world, especially, you know, today in 2023, it's very easy to put yourself into a bubble and just, like, ignore the world, right? But they were finding ways to do it then, you know, in this horrible time in America's history Dan and Kevin were still able to, like, <sighs> breathe, right? And not feel anxiety and stress the whole time that they were there. I don't really know how I feel about this, but I wanted to point it out, right? Because it's like, that is so real. All right, the next theme that I'm going to talk about is reading the importance of being literate, right? I think that was a very strong theme in the book, but it was very, it was also underlined, right? It wasn't like, boom, right here in your face, but it was like, boom, you know, I'm here. <laughs> that type of thing. So there are a lot of books mentioned in the story. Robinson Crusoe, which I'm not going to talk a lot about because it was, written way back when, and they were, it's a pretty racist story, but to sum it up, we'll just say it's about a man who is traveling, right? Okay, <laughs> on to the next. They also mentioned Gulliver's Travels, which is also about a person who travels to new lands. He always gets, like, shipwrecked, right, and gets lost <laughs> in these new places, but he's, like, meeting new and different types of people and just seeing this crazy world, right? Also in Gulliver's Travels, he always gets to go home. At the end of every story, it's, like, pretty much he gets to go home, and there's a comfort in always going home. And I think including the book Gulliver's Travels and that piece translates to Dana when, you know, she's in this 
past slavery world, right? And then she gets to go home and I know for a fact there's like so much comfort in like, okay, this is the world that I know and that I'm used to and I finally got to go home after all the craziness, right? Yeah. If you know anything about me, you know that I am a reader. I love books. I think reading, especially reading novels, is the best way to like really exercise your brain and not let it turn to mush. So I am an advocate for reading novels. I love to read. I encourage everyone to read. I think there is a book for everyone. Even if you don't like reading, there's something out there that will interest you and that you will want to read. But, you know, I'm gonna get up off my soapbox. That's it. <laughs> Also in the story, we see Dana reading to Rufus. Rufus loves when Dana reads to him. We see that Margaret freaking hates it, and it's probably because she can't read. Uh, Dana says something about, Tom, you know, I can teach you to read. So that just lets us know, you know, Tom probably can't read either. You know, this was very normal back in that time. As long as you knew how to sign your name, you were considered literate. It was a big thing that Dana knew how to read, especially being a black woman at that time. It's like, hmm, right? Gotta look at her a little extra, gotta watch her because she know how to read. And we know how slave masters felt about black people reading at that time. She also teaches Nigel and Carrie to read and stresses the importance of knowing how to read and knowing how to write and pretty much that being the only way to secure a good future. I say good in quotes again because again, how good could it have been, right? But yeah, that is my take on the theme of reading. <laughs> Last but definitely not least, this is my favorite theme the theme of good Christian generosity, because, you know, that's what they thought back then, right? Shit, that's what they think now, that this good Christian generosity is what everyone needs. And, you know, because I'm giving it to you, that means you should be grateful for it and you shouldn't ask for anything else. Be grateful for these scraps we're giving you, right? <laughs> yeah. So that phrase, good Christian generosity, was used multiple times in the show, and it was used to describe how Tom was such a good slave master because he provided for his enslaved people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to go too far into that because we know, like, it, that was bullshit, right? Y'all were stealing these people, claiming them as your property and then telling them to be grateful for what you're doing. Shout out to the writers because I know that was satire. It better have been satire. No, it definitely was satire. So yeah, shout out to the writers for adding that little gem. I thought it was very cute. So that is all the themes I'm going to talk about today. I hope you enjoyed them. Please email me, DM me, start some conversation. Next week, I will be back and we will be talking about the characters. All the characters, not all the characters, but the main characters and then some other characters in the show who really drove the storyline. So yeah, see you then. Stay tuned.
Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything I talked about on this episode, you can DM me on Instagram at PinkLadyProd, that's P-I-N-K-L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D, or you can email me at jasmine at PinkLadyProd.com. Jasmine is spelled J-A-S-M-I-N-E. If you want more info about Pink Lady Productions or me, you can visit our website at pinkladyprod.com. Subscribe to Podcasting is the new king for updates on new episodes, and please feel free to share it. Also, please rate and review the show. Peace.